I want to read a passage of scripture for you that I uh, uh, believe may be very central to your Christmas this year. As you know, we uh, have been talking about how to establish and reestablish the right kind of relationships at Christmas, talking about going to those and forgiving them, uh, offering reconciliation who've hurt us, and then making things right with those whom we've hurt. Today we're going to talk about forgiving yourself, and the, uh, the truth behind the ability to forgive yourself, the impetus behind it, is found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, and we see here the angel of the Lord explaining to Joseph what's about to happen, and what God's son, who he will be allowed to father, why he's coming to the world. Here's what it says. Mary shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. Say that with me. He will save the people from their sin. That's redemption, isn't it? That's salvation. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, was God's doing, God's promise through the prophet. Jesus came so that you could be forgiven, so that the salvation that comes only from God could be yours. He came for your redemption. I want you to internalize this message today. You know, when I hear a sermon, you know what I do? I sat and I think about all the people that needed to hear that. That would have really helped my cousin. That would help that guy back there in the back corner. I want you to think what God is saying to you. I want you to think about it. This is about me. I need redemption. I need forgiveness. Listen to this song.
have been caught unworthy Named by the voice of my shame and regret But when I hear you whisper, child, lift up your head I remember, oh God, you're not done with me yet And I am redeemed And you set me free So I'll shake off these heavy chains And wipe away every stain I'm not who I used to be I don't have to be the old man inside of me His days are long dead and gone Because I got a new name, a new life I'm not the same and I hope that will carry me home I am redeemed And thank God redeemed I'll shake off these heavy chains and wipe away every stain. I'm not who I used to be. Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. No, God, I'm not who I used to be. And I am redeemed. Well, thank God, redeemed. My friends, if that's not your testimony, it ought to be. You ought to be excited at Christmas because the God who could do, who was the only one who could do what he did, began it all at Christmas. And he offered us redemption. Christmas comes with a lot of joy, doesn't it? Comes with a lot of good news. In fact, the angels hung in the sky and said, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. And, And it seems like at least it, it should be this way, that the world kind of gets in a better mood. We get more generous, more benevolent. We uh, find reason to be happy. But the reality, the dark side of all that joy and all that peace that, that we think we ought to be experiencing is that for many of us, Christmas is anything but joy. Christmas is anything but peace. Matter of fact, we carry around with us lots of regret, lots of I wish things were different. How did it ever get to be this way? How is it that my life is in such turmoil? How is it that my family is in such conflict? How is it that I can't sleep at night because I worry and have anxiety? How is it that I have all of this that I never expected? in my life. So I want you to write a couple things down as we begin this morning. Most of us carry a lot of pain and regret. Most of us carry a lot of pain and regret because we've never taken the step of forgiving ourselves. And in the midst of that truth, another one comes to bear. 
Life can take some unexpected turns. I would dare say that most of you never expected your life to look like it looks now. Uh, I I expected to uh, be a Major League Baseball player. My expectations and my ability were far apart. And, And I dare say that for many of you, if I were to say to you, is this how you had it mapped out? Is this how you had it planned? Is this the direction, the, the, the circumstances you thought would be a part of your life? Many of you would have to say no. Never expected this. Had no clue. And as a result of, of having bad things or negative things or difficult things happen in our life, as a result of having unexpected bad things happen in our life, lots of us sit here today, and if we're honest, if we're brutally honest with ourselves, we have to admit that we've come to this place carrying the baggage of regret, of struggle, of issues, burden. And those regrets, those circumstances, our response to those circumstances literally rob us of any ability to celebrate, of any joy. And so what should be and could be the happiest time of the year becomes a time of deep emotional struggle for us. The baggage of regret, the struggle of pain. I wrote down some things that I've heard people say over the last few weeks in relationship to their life, and all of them, I believe, are ripe with regret. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I got to this stage in my life, and I never really thought I'd be alone. I didn't know that that one day, after being surrounded by lots of people in my life, that I would feel this alone. There there are so many folks that don't really have anybody that they can unload on, that they can lay their burdens down with. Maybe you're here and and you're a parent or a grandparent, and and your lament today is simply this. I, I never thought my kids would turn out this way. My mom and dad might be saying that from heaven. I'm not sure. Uh, I never thought my kids would turn out this way. I I raised them right, and now look at them. Maybe I never thought my marriage would fail. When I said I do, I meant it forever, and I thought he or she did, but now it's all come to an end. There's a lot of regret there. Never thought my career would sink or my business would fold. I loved what I did, and I get to do that now for financial reasons or, or other things that have happened, and, and now I'm just existing. Never thought I would have such a huge financial setback. Christmas in itself can be a huge financial setback, can it? I never thought that person would betray me. Many, many times... People wound and hurt us. And the loss of that relationship leads to regret. 
Or maybe if you're honest, as you sit here today, you might say, Christmas isn't what it should be in my life because I, I, I never thought I would be this far from God. Maybe those regrets weren't yours, but others are, and, and maybe you should just write that on that paper and, and start to think about what it is that is robbing you today of your peace with God, what it is that's robbing you of your joy, what's keeping you from, from celebrating and looking forward to this gift that God gave us through His Son, this gift of redemption. I think probably the, 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 the equation that we need to look at, if we're on one side of redemption or on the other side, what allows us to move from a place of regret to a place of peace, what allows us to move from a place where we're far from God to a place where we draw near to Him, is what the Bible calls godly sorrow. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And I'd really like you, if you've not done this, to mark this verse. And I believe it'll be instrumental in helping you to understand redemption and understand forgiving yourself. It says this, Godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. Let's just stop right there. What the Bible is saying, what Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about is simply this. When, when you have, have done something stupid in your life, when you've committed a sin, when you're, you've struggled and you've broken the laws of God, there comes a moment where you look to the heavens and say, where God's Spirit moves in you and says, I don't want to live this way anymore. I have to get past this. I have to lay it down. I have to start over. Godly sorrow. I don't want to break the heart of God anymore. Godly sorrow leads to that thing which we call repentance, and repentance is always indicative of significant life change. You're going this way, you stop and you go the other way. Godly sorrow leads to repentance, which leads to salvation. Salvation is the saving grace of God in your life. The power of redemption. It's Christmas and it's Easter. It's God at His best saving you, claiming you salvation. And it's not to be regretted. So if you're sitting here today with regrets about your behavior, with regrets about your past, with regrets about your circumstances, and those regrets every day shadow your life. Those regrets keep you awake at night. They rob you of your joy. You look at the Christmas tree and you find no peace. You don't have godly sorrow. You've not experienced that pathway, repentance and salvation, and no regret. You're experiencing worldly sorrow. Bible says worldly sorrow leads to death. 
Now understand what the scripture's saying here. If you've not experienced godly sorrow and you're caught up in just being sorry, first of all, what you're sorry for could be a myriad of things. You could be sorry that you got caught. You could be sorry for the consequences of your sin. You could be sorry for the load of guilt that you're carrying. You, you, you could be sorry for how it's affecting you, for the depression that you're experiencing. But you've not been sorry enough that you give it to God. And what happens, the Bible's saying, is that eventually those regrets, the, the, the absence of joy, the absence of peace, living in that kind of pain will eventually rob you of a relationship with God, which is death, spiritual death. Godly sorrow, no regrets. Worldly sorrow, a lifetime, a lifetime of regrets. So how, how do you distinguish? How do you, how do you say, here's where I am and here's where I need to be? How do you get to the place where you reclaim through redemption the gift that God's given you? Where Christmas becomes important to you, where salvation and redemption become byproducts of your life. How do you get to that place? Because all of us have had big, big things that lead to regret happen in our life. So how do we quit wallowing in that mess we've made and get to a place of solid footing with with God. Let me tell you a story about David. In the early service, I called Abraham, Abraham, David Abraham. That time I said both of those names together, which is, takes talent. But I called him Abraham a couple times. If I do that this time, Pete, would you shoot the light somewhere else? Please. David, as you recall, king of Israel, mighty man, beloved man, Greatest king ever. They were in battle, but David had remained home from the war, from warfare. He's up on his roof. He looks across the way. He sees a beautiful woman. She's bathing. He should have turned away, but he stared instead. He tries to find out who she is, finds out that she's the wife, her name's Bathsheba, of one of his best friends, one of the leaders of his army, a man by the name of Uriah. David uh, calls Uriah home, thinking that maybe if he's home, and well, I mean, I skipped part of it. So far, I just made it a PG story, right? <laughs> David has Bathsheba come for a visit, a eventful visit, we'll say, and she's pregnant. He calls Uriah home thinking that he will have the same urges. Uriah said, I am not going to go up there with my wife while my men are still in the battlefield. He slept on the porch. David has to take other measures, so he sends Uriah right to the front line, stations him there where he knows it will be dangerous and suspects he'll be killed. And he was right. David steps in and takes care of Bathsheba, marries her, takes it, makes a kind gesture to bring her into the palace. 
Nathan the prophet comes to visit one day. And to make a long story short, he said to David, you may think that you've gotten by with this, but God knows. You may think that no one else has noticed, but I've noticed. God's going to punish you. I want to pick up the story. I want to read this passage to you. It's in 2 Samuel 12, 15. And the Lord struck the little boy, the child, that Uriah's wife had bore to David, and he became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child. He fasted, and he went in, and he lay all night on the ground. So the elders of the house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. And then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. Servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and David would not even heed our voice. How can we tell him, how can we break this news to him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, he perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, is the child dead? They said, yes. And David arose from the ground, he washed, he anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went to the house of God and worshiped. And he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. And his servants said, why, or what is this that you've done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and I wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me and the child may live? But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he will not return to me. Now inside this very sad story of sin and deceit and death, there is a, a very clear pathway from godly or from worldly sorrow to godly sorrow. And we see it in David's actions and his choices. First of all, David learned to accept what he couldn't change. The Bible talks about how David was weeping and praying, fasting, and how he'd laid there on the floor and he and, and, and he couldn't be disturbed or consoled as he, as he pled with God. But when God took the child, the Bible seems to indicate there was a very clear change in David's behavior. Matter of fact, David said, I, pra- I prayed and I fasted and I pled with God. But God determined what he needed to do. And now I'm going to eat. I'm going to get back to living. You see, I think there are a lot of people in this room mourning over things they can't change. I think there are a lot of folks in this room struggling with desperation over things that you can't change. Things that are out of your hand. Worrying about things that will never come to be or that have already happened and can't be changed. And so many of us are robbed of our joy and the potential for joy 
because we're unwilling to just accept to trust God for what lies ahead. Secondly, David learned to give his pain to God. If you look very closely, the Bible says here that David determined when all this had come to pass, he determined to get up and go to church. The Bible said he, he cleaned up and he worshipped. He, he anointed himself. That means deodorant, by the way. And he went to church and he worshipped God. He determined to give his pain to God. Now all of us process our pain. If something happens in your life that is sorrowful, that is grievous, it is painful, if, if there are burdens that arise in your life, some way, somehow, you're going to process that pain. You can't avoid pain, can you? There are several ways to process pain, really three. The first one is that, that, that we look inward. I, we, we just kind of refuse to let it go. We struggle internally with what's happening in our life. Uh, we, we hang on to it. Men are particularly bad at that. You know, bad things are happening around us and we're just cool about it. Walking around, you know, no, no big deal. And, and what happens when you internalize something, when you never really deal with it, when you don't let it go, eventually it blows up, doesn't it? Eventually. The second way we deal with pain is outward. If something bad's happening in our life, if we're disturbed, if we're upset, if we're wounded, if we're miserable, we make sure that whoever is in our orbit is also miserable. Is there one family member, if they're mad, everyone else is in bad shape in your, in your family? Shake your head, it's okay, it's our secret. And, and, and so we just blow up on each other. We, we take it out on each other. Say things we shouldn't say. Do things we shouldn't do. Make life tough, not only for ourselves but for everyone who cares about us. Inward and outward. The only other way is upward. God... I'm not sure why this happened. God, I made a terrible mistake. God, I'm wounded. God, I'm broken. But I know and I understand that even though the circumstances of my life are drastic and they're unexpected, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give you my pain. I'm going to share my grief. I'm going to seek your face and your guidance. I'm going to worship you. David learned to give his pain to God. Number three, he learned to focus on what's left and not what's lost. He learned to focus on what's left. Isn't that important? What's left still needs you. What's left should be important to you. What's left is what God has blessed you with. All of us have experienced loss, haven't we? All of us have done things to destroy good things about our life. All of us have been stupid. Amen? Let me say that again. Yeah. 
All of us have sinned against God. Say it any way you want to. All of us have broken the heart of God and done our best to exhaust his grace. All of us grieve over what we've lost. I'll just be honest with you. I've I've spent the last 10 days in some place of grief. I, I see something that reminds me of my mother. My heart beats a little faster. But do you know what a good tonic for my grief is? I have two amazing grandchildren. They make it a lot easier to focus on what I have left as opposed to what I've lost. Now, those three kids in between, that's a little different. Amen. <laughs> Points this. Verse 24. Remember we read 15 through 23. You know what verse 24 says? David went in to comfort Bathsheba. And he lay with her. And nine months later, a little boy by the name of Solomon was born. He focused on what was left. God gave a pretty good blessing in the person of Solomon, didn't he? You see, I'm afraid that so many of you in this time of regret in your life, So many of you who've suffered and are broken, who are grieving, who've just lost your way, who are looking to the past rather than the future, have forgotten what's left in your life. Have forgotten the people that need you, the people that love you, and who would minister to you, the people who would move you from a place of depression to a place of joy, from a place of anxiety to a place of peace. And so many of us never get to the place where we believe that God's forgiven us and then forgive ourselves. We struggle with our mistakes and the consequences and the losses. And forfeit the joys of life and the blessings. Let me tell you something I believe with all my heart. As a Christian, as a Christ follower, if you profess faith in Christ today, if you know you're headed to heaven as a Christ follower, if you're not, we can help you with that today too. If you can't find peace and strength in God's presence, you're not following close enough. If you can't get to a place where you can lay your pain at his feet and trust him to bring something good out of it, then you're not following close enough. Now, what does following someone require? You ever in a car and somebody who knows the way is leading you and you're trying to stay up with them? I dare you to do that with me. (laughs) What does it require? It always requires looking ahead, doesn't it? It requires looking ahead. Following requires looking ahead. Paul said something like this in Philippians 3. 
forgetting what lies behind, I press forward toward the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. I press forward to what God has for me, to what's left, to what he's going to do in my life, which will be a better plan and a better place than what's behind. Here's what I believe about Christmas. And here's what I hope warms your heart. And I hope you're thinking about your heart right now, your life. Christmas is about forgiveness. And it's about second chances. And fifth chances. And 22nd chances. And 107 chances. Because some of us are good for a stupid thing every day, aren't we? We're good for a sin every day. And God never, ever gives up on us. Christmas is about second chances. So what do you need to lay down here today? What do you need to walk away from here today? What do you need to forgive yourself of today? What needs to happen so that the message of of forgiveness so wrapped in this Christmas story where the angel of God said, Jesus is coming to save you. How does that message leap from this passage and penetrate your heart? What needs to happen for you to believe that? So that everything can be different. So that your regrets can become your joy. That's Christmas. That's the heart and the essence of Christmas. Your regrets, your past, your losses, your pain are swallowed up in the good news that Jesus loves you. Father, I thank you that you came and you conquered every sin. You came and you conquered our guilt and our shame. You came and you made yourself a powerful force, stronger than anything in this world, stronger than the legions of Satan. Father, I thank you that you came in forgiveness, in grace, and in redemption. And that I have hope today, not because there's anything good about me, but because everything is good about you. A love that's pure, a forgiveness that's sure, mercy and grace that abound, and redemption, absolute redemption, a clean slate are your gifts. I want to claim one right now. I want to claim them all right now. And I want to share them. I want you to share them with your people. Forgive us. And teach us to forgive ourselves. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? The altar is open for you to come. For you to take that journey.
from regret to redemption. Share in communion. Thank God for his grace. Don't leave here without his joy and without his peace. Let's sing.